Thainsley Bullion, and this is the weekly wrap on this day, the 17th of March 2017. Australian dollars, gold is sitting at 15.98 and silver at $22.59, with the Aussie dollar at 76.8. So this week saw both gold and silver virtually unchanged from last week, despite strong gains in the US dollar spot price for both, thanks to our stronger Aussie dollar, which was up 2.3% on the week. The week started Friday night our time with the release of the US non-farm payrolls employment print just days ahead of the US Fed decision. We wrote on this on Monday, but as a reminder, the headline new jobs number was a much better than expected 235,000 when only 200,000 was expected, but the earnings were weak, rising just 0.2%. So whilst the rate hike was still baked in the market, wasn't that impressed and we saw gold rise up over 1,200 again. That certain rate rise was helped along too by the US producer inflation indicator, PPI, printing its highest March to highest since March 2012, with 2.2% year-on-year. Final demand and a hot 4% year-on-year jump in final demand goods. Not what you want to hear when earnings grew by just 0.2%. And so, right on cue, Wednesday night our time, and as we wrote about yesterday, the US Fed raised rates by a quarter of a percent, only the third rate rise in 11 years, and the second in Trump's term. The median Fed official forecast sees two more hikes this year, and Bloomberg's reported economists are now expecting three. The language was very much around nothing being set in stone and all data dependent, yada yada, but again the market took it as sounding more hawkish than last time and, probably combined with the selling the fact, we saw gold and silver surge on the announcement, yet again derailing the belief that rate hikes are bad for gold. You will recall that gold rallied shortly after the last two rate hikes and it didn't stop with last night gold seeing its strongest gain since Brexit, breaking through both its 50 and 100 day moving averages to reach a high of 12.33 before settling to a stronger, still stronger 12.27 while shares and US dollar fell. When Yellen was asked about when the Fed might look to sell off some of its $4.5 trillion of US Treasuries it bought to print all that money in their QE program, she responded that she wanted confidence in the economy before shrinking their balance sheet. Reassuring, hey? But we learned that while she wasn't ready to dump Treasuries, the rest of the world certainly was, particularly China, with January seeing no less than $45 billion of Treasuries sold off by foreign sovereigns, resuming the 2016 trend that took the one breather in December. China offloaded $7 billion and is now $51 billion behind the new world's biggest holder of US debt, Japan, with $1.1 trillion. Speaking of which, unsurprisingly, the Bank of Japan met this week and kept their record-breaking negative interest rate and money printing program unchanged. The week was so much more than the, the rate hike, though. We also saw the shock announcement from the Atlanta Fed, who, in complete contradiction to, and just two hours before, the Everything's Awesome rate hike, cut its Q1 GDP forecast from 1.2% downward revision we discussed last week to just 0.9%, the lowest in a year and the weakest in a rate rise year since 1987. You remember what happened in 1987, yeah? We also saw more wages concern with the real wages declining 0.3% year-on-year in February. After the fall in January, it marks the first consecutive monthly drop in real wages since 2011. The difference is that rates were near zero then, and that drop prompted the Fed to start its second QE program, not, as they are now, raising rates. 
To add to this whole stagflation threatening mix, we saw yet another strong inflation print against these poor wage numbers, with the core CPI printing 2.2%, its hottest print in five years. Last night, we saw the Philly Fed's business outlook tumble from 33-year highs in March to 32.8 from 43.3, the biggest fall in a year, and notably, yet again, prices paid surged. But also, new orders stagnated and general business activity fell. So you can see the Fed's dilemma. Whilst wage, wage growth and GDP are poor, financial assets and now core goods are inflating and can't be left unattended. Raise rates too quick and it all goes pop. Don't raise it all and the inevitable pop just gets bigger. You can't print $4.5 trillion and expect to get away with it. Read our article today for more. But enough about the US. In the Europe, we saw the lead-up to the Netherlands elections take on a whole new light, with some serious argy-bargy between Turkish and Dutch officials and the threat that Turkey would walk away from the migrant deal and open the floodgates. It appeared to play into far-right Wilder's hands, but the tough stance of the incumbent Prime Minister in the situation probably prevailed and he won comfortably, with Wilder's a distant second. There was plenty of talk of the future of the EU being in Prime Minister Root's hands, but the reality is the French far-right candidate of Le Pen is not as far-right as Wilders, and France is very a very different story to the Netherlands. A Le Pen victory in France is still very much alive and an infinitely more significant than the Netherlands. The weight of this was reinforced during the week when City declared that the presidential victory of Marine Le Pen would cripple France's banking shares, whilst Goldman said it would be even worse for Italy's. Not soft words. The week saw an initial draft rejected but then revised bill approved to allow Prime Minister May to now proceed with Brexit via the Article 50. She has flagged the last week of March in which she will do so. Scotland's First Minister, Nicole Sturgeon, Nicola Sturgeon sorry, announced on Monday she plans to start the legal process for an independence referendum to be held in the spring of 2019 and then allow them to re-enter the EU. Last night, the Bank of England held its 0.25% rate and QE program unchanged, but for the first time in a while, there was a split vote. At home, there wasn't a lot of good news. We saw the NAB business condition index drop 7 points to 9 and business confidence down 3 points to 7. That goes some way to explaining the surprise fall in employment, with the February figures released yesterday showing 6,400 jobs were lost when just under 20,000 new jobs were expected. And seeing our unemployment rate jump to 5.9%, its highest in over a year, and when it was expected to stay steady at 5.7%. Underemployment, the number of people looking for extra work, rose to a record high 8.7% or 1.1 million people. On the positive side, there was an improvement in full-time jobs up 27,000 against a fall of 33,000 part-time jobs. Finally, in general gold news, the World Council, Gold Council released their end of February figures showing total holdings in gold-backed ETFs and the like rose 4% or 90.6 tonnes to 2,246 tonnes from January and the value of $90.7 billion was up 8% with that strengthening price. We'll catch you next week and remember, balance your wealth in an unbalanced world.